0: All right, guys. Welcome back to Young and Successful. We are here in Idaho Falls today. Um, This is episode eight, so welcome back. We have an exciting guest on today, Paul Sandrini. Did I say that right? Yes, sir, you did. Perfect. So we're going to kick it over to Jackson. He's going to give a quick bio and let us know a little bit about Paul.
1: Yeah. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Um, I met Paul back in October of 2016, yeah, October, Um, no, maybe September. Anyways, what I did was I first went into a a jiu jitsu class, and Paul is one of the instructors there. He's a black belt at the academy there, and uh, we kind of just became friends. He's got a really cool story. It's entrepreneurial from the very beginning um, of his career, so we thought we'd have him on. A quick bio for Paul he was born and raised in Oceanside, California. Um, he, He was raised by a single mom who was sick. Um, his dad was in the military, so he was, you know, kind of distant relationship there. His sisters were much older, so he was the youngest. Um, he graduated high school. Somehow they ended up in Idaho, um, where he graduated high school at Bear Lake High, which, for those of you who don't know, that's a very small town, uh, Mont- Montpelier, I think yeah. is how you say it. I don't even know how to say it. Um, it's a really fun place to go on a vacation, though. Um, you grew up kind of in the outdoors, so I'm sure you've got some fun stories there. And
2: Yeah. Yeah, we did grow up in the outdoors. The, Not by choice, right? <laughs> Get outside.
1: Yeah. Go do something.
2: It quit bothering me. Um, yeah, so uh, most military families have the opportunity to live on base. We. we uh, Is that how you were in, that's why you were in Oceanside? Yeah, my okay. dad was a Marine. So uh, we had the opportunity to live on base, but for whatever reason, we didn't. I was pretty young. Uh, my first memories are with my dad, but shortly after, he was on, on the way out. You know, um, that's kind of a...
1: They got, they got divorced yeah, or something? Uh, yeah,
2: they ended up having to get divorced. It was a, a very uh, tumultuous relationship. They didn't have a lot of... Uh, I shouldn't say they didn't have a lot of love, but they, they did have a lot of love. They were very passionate. And uh, for whatever reason, they weren't able to reconcile some differences, and they, had, they ended up having to get divorced. Um, and for me, I was just too young to be real... Changed by that at the in the immediate in that in that moment, but uh, yeah, she she ended up you know in the hospital. Some things happened. She, I, what we're thinking is it was a blood transfusion in the hospital, and she ended up contracting HIV. Uh, I was pretty young, and then it takes you know a little while for that stuff to build and start attacking the immune system, and that, and then uh, I was about twelve. And 11, she was really sick, getting real, real sick, uh, thrashing the throat, Jeez. things like that. So it was, it was coming to the end of days, right? Right. So my sisters were a little too young to be raising someone like me. How Aspre- old were you? Oh, you just said you're about 10 or 11. Uh, I was about 12. Okay. 11, 12, you know. And at this time, I had been for a few years raising myself. Is this you know.
1: in California or yeah. had you moved okay?
2: Oceanside still. Yeah. We were still in Oceanside. I had, you know, all my friends. I was very rooted as far as I was concerned, as rooted as a ten year old can be, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got the news that we were moving to Idaho. Um, I, I was kinda kept in the dark as to why my sisters knew what was going on. Um I did not. So you like have say. They're six family years old. here in Idaho. Yeah, I had grandparents uh, who have since passed. Okay. You know, rest in peace. Um, but at that time, she was bringing me out here to be raised by them. I didn't know; I was pretty naive. So, we get to uh, Salt Lake City, and she has a heat stroke. Grandparents come get us. We're in Idaho, small town Idaho.
1: Big change from
2: ocean. Like, oh my gosh! I uh, my first idea was to go find the skate park. Yeah, <laughs> and the skate shop, because so I was big into surfing at this time, yeah. skating, just. I would skate from my uh, apartment complex in Oceanside, which was called Flower Hill. Um, And I would skate from there all the way down to the ocean, which was, it took 20 minutes when I was in a car last time I was there. You know, so it's, you know, at night, you know, late, late, late at night, midnight, one, two in the morning, things like that. Kids shouldn't be out doing that, you know. You're 10 years old doing that. Yeah. So then I come into a town of, I think there was 2,600 people at the time. So my first idea, let's go find a skate park, skate shop, find some people like me. This has all been pretty crazy, you know, and nobody knew what I no was skate talking park. about. What skate park? What is a skate park? You know, no skateboarding on the stairs. and.
1: For already. those of you who don't know what Bear Lake is like, there's a scout camp there. Um, one street, I think, a couple streets. We had one street light.
2: Yeah. We had one street light, a lot of dirt roads. It's just a small rural, you know, they hadn't caught up with the times. They had no need to. Yeah. You know, it was a really great Farming place. Town I, almost. I, you know, I I can say a lot of bad things about it because I was an outsider and, and I, you know, I was new, but I had a lot of friends really quickly. It's not like I was ostracized by any measure, right. you know, I just kind of had a bad attitude at that age too. So it was pretty easy to not like me, not get along, but I end up there, my mom's, you know, given, you know, diagnosed, actually, because California had never diagnosed her, they've been trying, 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 hadn't done it, Uh, she ends up diagnosed in uh, Montpelier by Dr. Campbell, you know, we owe a lot to him, and uh, she's, fine today she's in remission she's wow, really? you know yeah wow. so
1: that was a twist I did not think it was going to end uh, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> well one. and then sin,
2: since then she's actually had breast cancer oh man and then you know just been sick with she as said, a, she's as a an trooper AIDS. she doesn't give up man she is the strongest person I know yeah. I find a lot of inspiration thinking about her every day because she's sick every day like her her baseline is just when we we're feeling really crappy that day that's her baseline. Yeah, you know, having a real good day is a day that she got to sleep last night. She's eaten. She hasn't thrown up. You know, her. She's just good that day. That's a really good day for her. Yeah. So,
0: makes you appreciate life a little bit more. Oh, huh? Man, you, see that.
2: you know, it's it's hard looking at mom to get that appreciation, but uh, you know, I get a lot of inspiration out of it too because she is the strongest person I know. You know, so I give a lot of thanks. And I'm not to, I don't want to uh, sound like too angelic, but we butt heads too, you know. We're both still pretty strong-minded, strong-willed individuals, but uh, I owe her everything, you know. Dad had his reasons for leaving, and they are what they are, you know. I'm over them. We have a, my dad and I have a good relationship now, but uh, it took a lot of years for that to happen, you know, which is unfortunate, but uh, ended up in Idaho. Middle school, eighth grade was my first year there, and uh, football, you know, I, was, I wasn't in a real good trajectory
1: when I was in California. Things weren't going really well. Had you, you had gotten mixed in with probably not the best crowd or something is what you're saying?
2: No, I was born into the wrong crowd, gotcha. as a matter of fact, you know. Um, it wasn't really, am I going to fight on the way home today? It's who, right? when, where. Will I have any friends? Will they have friends? You know, like, it was kind of an everyday type of thing. So fighting has been something that I did. Man, I remember some of my, before school, before kindergarten, I remember getting in fights down at the sandbox. And, you know, cause it was an apartment complex of, I think it went up to, like, J, I remember an H. You know, A through H in buildings, and they were four plexes on either side. And most places had kids. Yeah. So they had, like, a little common pool and a tennis court, basketball court, and all that stuff. So there was a lot of kids, man, which was awesome. You know, you might might say that it was, like, inner city living. San Diego inner city, which isn't really, right. right. you know, it's pretty nice inner mm-hmm. city still. But a uh, lot of kids, man. A football game was always pretty easy to get going. You know, basketball games were pretty easy to get going. So I look back at my childhood pretty with, with smiles and, and and good feelings. You know.
1: So then you get out. You get out to Bear Lake. Oh, and yeah. eighth grade, going into ninth grade, high school. Mm-hmm. Were you a good student? Mm-mm. No. <laughs>
2: no. Like I <laughs> Quick said, I, like I said, I had a, a fairly poor attitude just towards life. You know, I felt really victimized. I felt pretty entitled, um, but at the same time, I was really willing to work. You know, I was willing to put in a lot of work to whatever it was that I wanted to be really good at. Skateboarding was my life at that time. Uh, sports were also something that uh, I got pretty into as well, and uh, enabled me to uh, express my athleticism, on a, an, and expend the amount of energy a child like I had. So. Sports became a big part of my life. Skating already was, snowboarding already was. That crowd, in and of itself, is a fairly abrasive crowd, you know. Right. Yep. And I really embraced that aspect of it, you know, punk rock, yeah, and, and just, you know, just being kind of an Carpet asshole, deal. yeah, you know, like excuse my language, but kind of, you know, not being a, a good. Dude, you know, didn't have a ton of really close friends. I had friends that kind of locked, liked the obnoxious aspect of me, I think. Um, but not really anybody who had skin in the game when it came to our relationship, you know. But I did have a few. I'm not missing you guys, but, you know, they just weren't, you know.
1: Today, I have a lot of friends that are that way. Not then. So when you were in high school, did you have any idea what you wanted to be? Zero. Zero. Didn't even, Zero. you hadn't even given hadn't even, Yeah, I wasn't thinking past,
2: Friday night. you know, Friday night, the yeah. weekend, you know, sometimes report card when it was getting close, <laughs> like, you know.
0: So you cared a little bit. Yeah, I cared a little bit.
2: I think what it was is I was competitive. There you go. I was very competitive, so I didn't want to be the kid with, like, Fs, because then you're stupid and. No one likes dummies, right? The kid so, that
1: pulls down the class, right? Gotcha. So
2: I, I was always fairly intelligent enough to grasp what was going on, so I was, you know, able to at least sound smart, you know. But I really didn't like homework. I really math was just so hard for me.
1: Oh, who likes math, anyways?
2: You know, you I mean, know, Davey does. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he does actually. He he was telling me a little while ago. Yeah, I enjoy just looking at spreadsheets and. Stuff, and that was just the craziest thing I'd ever heard. You know? <laughs> I was like, "Am I in a movie right now?" <laughs> yeah.
0: Are well, someone serious? has to, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Glad it's him and not me.
2: Yeah. So it's not that I wasn't a good student. I just didn't apply myself. I was a great skateboarder. I was a great snowboarder. I was a great athlete. Um, but it was never really put on to me as a real important aspect of life to be a good student. You know, I wasn't forward thinking in that in that uh, respect i just wanted to have fun today and good grades meant that my mom was off my back and you know because at this time during high school she had come out and gained a bunch of weight and was like full of life and yeah we ended up uh, she ended up running a hotel there in montpelier called the park motel for a number of years i'd say 10 years 10 15 years maybe uh 15 sounds long 10 sounds more right but uh you know, doing that, and that's a lot of work. You yeah. know, she'd clean the rooms. She'd wake up in the night and check in everybody, and just run the whole place for for uh, some family friends. And uh, so that was going on. And at this time, she's really full of it. So coming home with bad grades, <laughs> or you know, something like that, she was still really. She get after you. you know, yeah, for sure. And then it wasn't like I had really any recourse from it. It was like, ah, I gotta listen to that, and then back to
1: life again you know, which I didn't want to deal with it. So it was easier to kind of at least try a little bit. So for me, when I graduated high school, it was the world that I was living in was like, wow, I'm done with high school. I've got a few months off and then it's back to school, college.
0: Right. And I've never until
1: right now thought about what it would look like for somebody just graduating high school with no desire at all to go to college, and you didn't want to go into the military, so I did actually. Did. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I had a friend who was in the National Guard,
2: and uh, he had convinced me, man, you need to do this. It'll go to co- it'll go into college, and I didn't
1: really have aspirations to go to college necessarily. Like, did you have a job in high school? I did. Yeah. Well, odd jobs around sports seasons and things okay. like that, but I never had a consistent job. So I, you know, I wasn't in a career by any yeah. means. You know. Yeah. So what? I mean, what was it like? I mean, you graduate. For me, it was like, hey, I got a summer off, you know, yeah. part-time work, and then it's back to school. So the first like?
2: couple summers of high school then the last one of middle school and that, there was like three summers there that I kind of just messed off. I just did whatever I wanted to. And then, again, the same buddy that talked me into joining the National Guard um, talked me into getting a job out at the lake. Out of Bear Lake. That's where most people in Montpelier would go get a job or moving pipe or something like that. And yeah. I just didn't see myself getting up that early to go out and try to move pipe. Um, I tried it for like four weeks, and
0: that's about as long as I lasted. Yeah, <laughs> right? It was but, rough.
2: I and mean, it wasn't that it was hard. Not like the job I got was any less hard. Uh-huh. It was just a little different hard, and it was a lot Better of hours? Well, No. So I got a job at Bear Lake Sales, which is a uh,
1: jet ski rental, jet ski boat rental. You're the second guest we've had that has sold and used jet skis or four-wheelers. Yeah, (laughs) go figure. Interesting, huh?
2: Um,
1: Dude, it was such a cool job. It was
2: for a 16-year-old kid to have access to jet skis and boats and, you know, 16. All you're worried about is chasing girls and all that, right? What a better job, you know? Right. So it ended up being a pretty cool gig. Um, But I was always pretty, like... I don't know, I guess you'd call it entrepreneurial at that time. I always wanted to try and find a way to do something on my own, to do this or that or that or this. And that was, I guess, I would have to say towards the end of, of high school. So coming out of high school, I was already kind of like, man, it, I wanted that instant gratification. You know, I think uh, I had that addict mind. Of you know, I want it now. I can have what can I have right now. I didn't want to put four years into college and then come out indentured with a bunch of bills, not knowing what I wanted to do. And I'd already had jobs, so I was like, I'll just go get a job for now and then, you know, we'll see where that goes. And, you know, it in hindsight, I mean it all worked out. But I would never ever recommend that to my kids. You know, my kids will be spoken to about thinking forward and understanding that, yeah, it might seem like it's taking longer, but it's actually happening faster. What is it? uh, If I had seven hours to chop a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the axe. Right. Something like that. Yeah. So, you know, the school is sharpening your axe, the school is, you know, getting yourself really primed and ready. I think. I think today it's just, It costs so much to go to school, you know, and there's not enough emphasis on like trade schools, which is by luck of the draw, what I ended up doing, going to a somewhat of a trade school,
1: like an apprenticeship almost, right?
2: So I ended up with a, uh, uh, one of my good buddies moved up from Montpelier with me. His name's Brent B. Um, we're still friends today. Still, he's here. I'll probably go see him after shout out, Brent. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So he moved up with me and he ended up meeting a guy named Brian McBride, who uh, owned a construction little business at that time, you know, a truck and some tools and knew a couple guys that were helping him find jobs. Well, these guys happened to be Greg and Jim Johnston, the Johnston team down in Pocatello. They're pretty prominent realtors there deep in the cut if you will right Right. so they were getting a lot of he was getting a lot of jobs and he needed a lot of help well he was such a good dude such a good dude that he would rather employ younger guys younger kids impressionable men to uh kind of work with him and at the time I kind of felt like it was a little predatory Mm -hmm. you know because he seemed kind of weird and He was. He was. He
1: didn't have to pay you as much. That too. That was another (laughs) thing,
2: you know. So it's. I wouldn't say he seemed shady, but he seemed like you know he liked us a lot, and come to find out, he was. He did end up being gay, um, but he didn't practice homosexuality because he was LDS and very devout. And being a young obnoxious kid, we pride and pride and pride about that. You know, didn't give him any privacy. So I know quite a bit about why and. And that, but that's—he's passed on now. So I think those are my secrets. I guess you'd say be rude of me to say anything. But at any rate, met him, took us in, started teaching us how to swing a hammer, how to you know what sixteen on center was, you know how to frame. I don't, I don't know what that is, Dito. It's when you're doing framing, you <laughs> need to spa- spare, uh, separate your your uh, your uh, two by fours properly. Gotcha just showing us different things you know what, training what square is well you know the wall has to be square level you know all these different things i i didn't know i'd never built anything at this time i'd worked at the jet ski rental and i knew how to drive jet skis and boats and skateboard and snowboard and a few other things that come naturally right but uh learning to do that was a, it was a big eye opener as far as like my abilities. Like I'm not just some dumb kid. I can actually do things. You You know, I was already cocky. You know, I can do anything I want. I'm 20 years old. Don't you know? But you know, at that time I actually learned, oh, I'm not, um, um, the, the flame, the flame of knowledge only illuminates the the ignorance that you have, right? So the bigger your knowledge that you see how big your ignorance really is. So I learned how stupid I was in that job. I didn't really, I didn't know much at all of anything about life, work, anything like that. I was kind of just doing it on my own. I was living on my own for the first time now,
1: getting a job in
2: Pocatello In Pocatello now. Okay. Yeah. Um, And being young and partying and doing all that, you know. So then uh, we get going, and and the opportunity to uh, work for a lesser rate and buy into the company arose, and, uh, you know, I, I snapped on it. It was just really, in hindsight, incredibly negligent of me to just do things like that on, like, word of, like, just, yeah. No contracts, no legal. Yeah, no contracts, no legal anything whatsoever. It was just, yeah, you get half, I get half, you bid the jobs, I'll bid jobs. Everything was transparent. I could look at whatever I want. So I knew I wasn't getting taken for money. But in the event, in the end, when Brian ended up passing, I had no right to any of it. No equity. Nothing, yeah, no, no equity whatsoever in that business legally. You know, and I expected you know some sort of karma to help me, or I expected their these their good nature to help me. You know, and, and
1: be honest. So tip right. there, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> Let's go back. Just for your listeners. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean, if you're starting a business, um, you may be starting the business with your brother or your best friend or your mentor, and as long as that person is alive you know, what might work out. Right. Um, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but we went through the story earlier, and your partner passed away. Yeah. He was actually
2: HIV, AIDS positive as well. So it was really a connection point right. for him and I, you know. Yeah. Um, he helped me grow a lot as a man to learn to love another man. was very strange for me. You know, I didn't have a father figure growing up really. So to learn to love my friends, to learn to love myself,
0: uh, anything
2: like that. He was the guy that
0: helped me do that, you know? Um, so before he passed, you essentially owned 50% of the business. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously I mean, not officially. Right. Yeah. But, nothing
2: uh, was official ever. And that was kind of my problem. You know, I was, I had a lot of other stuff going on at this time. I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant. Um, I was still very young. How old were you? 20? Nate. 18 when she ended up pregnant 19 is when hope was born
1: so how i mean the question is how would an 18 or a 19 year old know when somebody passes away their ownership goes to their trust or their will or to their beneficiaries i mean i wouldn't have known that yeah i didn't have any idea what was even going on you know
2: so it was just kind of something i was going to work i was doing my thing i felt important i felt like i was making a difference um
1: you're making good money for an 18-year-old.
2: Great money. You know, my my girlfriend was able to stay at home. She was pregnant. You know, I was able to pay for the electric bill so she could sit in the air conditioning all day, you know. Um, And
1: at that age, for me, that was pretty – I felt like
2: that was pretty good. That's
1: pretty good for probably 70% of Americans today. Right. And and you're doing that at 18. Right. So
2: I I felt like I was doing okay, you know. So therein lies part of the problem, though, I think.
1: You were satisfied
2: i was satisfied okay. i was validated through through ill-conceived thoughts like i, I thought that this was going to work out i thought that not going to school was going to work out and it's because i had success early you know and that success can be treacherous because you have to stay diligent and you have to stay aware and cautious even
0: when you're successful because that all it takes is one person to pass and there goes your success absolutely so going back to that always make sure you have the proper paperwork in always, place I man. mean something you don't think of it could be you know a brother like Jackson said it could be your your best friend it doesn't matter yeah. make sure it's in place because it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to screw you over or anything but something unexpected could happen like someone passes away and yeah. if that paperwork's not in place right. you know Something yeah. like that could happen, unfortunately.
2: Well, and I found also later in business endeavors that, you know, when somebody doesn't want to sign contracts, that's also indicative of their <laughs> yeah. intentions, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, um, but it was never like that. Brian was never, we just never, it never arised it just, in no one conversation. It, it, wasn't, it exactly. wasn't
1: anybody's fault explicitly except for just not thinking about it.
2: Exactly. You know, he didn't think he was going to pass. I didn't think he was going to pass. He wasn't trying to screw you over. Right. Yeah. So for whatever reason, it, it happened. And it helped his family out. I was young enough. I recovered. I'm in hindsight. I'm totally fine with how everything transpired. It's totally okay. Um, you I would know never that.
1: change anything, you know? Part of this, uh, you guys had your construction business where you would kind of remodel houses and you, you partnered up with those real estate agents. But another thing that... A lot of people were doing at this time where they and they found a lot of success was flipping homes. Yeah, man. And yeah. that, you know, the 8 the 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 housing bubble popped. You know, 08. Um, so you were doing this right in the middle and of the, the height. Yeah, yeah, at the perfect time if yeah. you look at it from a technical. So point. we were getting. So we were funded. Yeah. Is essentially you know
2: because it would have never happened had it you know had we had to really you know come up with. The ends, you know, like everybody was funded back then. Anybody could just start a business and run a business, and it was easy to get it, and everything was. They were just handing it out, you know, because it it just that's just the way the
1: business was working at that time. So not only were you fighting this kind of psychological battle of look, I'm 18, I'm successful, I own half of this company. You are also in the middle of probably the most arrogant economic bubble of all time. Real estate always goes up. Oh, Look at right. I can buy this house, I can remodel it, and flip it and make one hundred percent, two hundred percent. And so you had all these things fighting for you, and then, then it kind of just went. Right? Well, yeah,
2: even that idea of I can buy the house, I can flip it, I can make this much money. Da 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 da. That's a house of cards, man. Right. Yeah. Because you're someone has to buy the house. Yeah. any And so this we say it a lot in business, right? Anybody can start a business, but you really haven't made it until you sold your business. Right. Right. Who have you built enough value in your business that somebody else will purchase it? Because anybody can just buy a lawnmower and go mow lawns, and sure you're going to have some income, but are you really growing? Are you? Building a product here and a business is kind of a product, isn't it? Yeah, not? or system. Or, or system, or however it is, you know, but it's it's to extract money and that product will help you extract money from economy. So, you know, it's a house of cards and my house of cards fell, you know, and I, I think it happens to people today, even though, even with, you know, the lending laws in place. I mean, it happened that to happening.
1: Lehman Brothers, the, they've been around for. Yeah. Decades, right. hundreds of years—not hundreds, but the, one of the big investment banks yeah. fell in, yeah. 08, in the housing crash. So, okay, so now you are out the equity of uh, the built the, the the company you thought that you owned. Right. Jump back into you know, kind of just jobs here and there. whatever know? you can do to get by. Yeah. Um, you started another business. So
2: part of pawned a lot of tools, pawned a lot of stuff to get by. You know. Yeah lost a lot of the livelihood. And most, you know, I, don't, I I say this facetiously, but most intelligent people would pick their tools up and go find jobs, right. you know, but I was very defeated. I was very, you know, lost and the, I didn't get all my tools, you know, obviously half of them were his, you know, so I had to really kind of pick up from scratch, find jobs, ended up working at Zoomies for a little while, working at a a jewelry store for a little while um but wasn't ever utilized you know i wasn't ever really utilized until uh until i got into manufacturing until i got into using my hands because i've always been very artistic art class was like one of my favorite uh, subjects partially because of the teacher Uh, shout out to mr culver he was Amazing. He's still doing amazing things at Bear Lake right now, um, but he was a teacher that really connected. You know, he he was able to get through my 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 defensive wall of being a little prick, and and that you know, and he was able to kind of get through that yeah. and, and see me for the vulnerable little kid that I was, and kind of speak to that. So you know, I was always very uh, connected with him and uh, other teachers as well, but him especially so uh it's kind of hard to really articulate but he I don't know you have those relationships when you're at that age where you know like you, you think everything's going real bad for you and and you're kind of too naive to really understand the full scope of how bad things are going you know and then someone kind of tells you hey man like this isn't normal like you're going through it. I'm really sorry. And then it like it will settle in for you. That was Mr. Culver. You know, he was that he was that guy that really like got through. And so I was always very artistic. I took that subject so much more like serious. It wasn't just like messing off at art, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was able to really use my art creating talent, things. yeah, of creating things and using my vision and and whatnot to uh, you know, make things and I got hooked up with uh, a guy named Dustin Meckling, who uh, his dad's an entrepreneur, uh, owned VacuFlow, central vacuum systems, for a long time, um, really tried to pass that down to his son, and uh, was helping him to do a composite manufacturing with one of my other friends. One of my other friends never wanted to show up to work, so I ended up being fully bequeathed to Dustin, and then I ended up coming in to just, at first, just to make some of my own parts for it, my car.
1: Yeah, and so cars kind of were the the import cars, tuner cars, the JDM scene. That yeah, was kind of the... Honda, yeah, right? So I kind of grew up in that world, too. Well, fast and the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, my yeah. wife, one time we were talking, she's like, why do you like cars so much? I said, it's not just the cars, it's the culture. Yeah. And I think about it, and all of the kids that I knew that had these cars, these Hondas, these... WRXs, STIs, if you were the cool kid, See, the you know, rich kid, man. um, they all worked hard. You know, yeah. you go to auto shop class and you learn how to work and use your hands. And so I think that as funny as that scene is, it's actually a very good thing for people that are involved in it because it teaches them how to work. And you saw, Hey, look, I can buy this or I can start this manufacturing job and we can make hoods yeah. rooftops. Right. And, and so, door
2: panels, it was just anything that we could mold man
1: so you started molding and manufacturing and you learn the process how to manufacture things the Vac- we use it. we use
2: vacuum infusion so there's you know um, resin transfer molding rtm um, which is you're you're not inlaying the resin into the mold like by hand you're you're setting in your materials into the mold uh, setting up a what's called a vacuum system you suck all the air out and then you transfer your resin into the mold at that time using a vacuum infusion. So that was the way that we uh, generally manufactured our parts. We didn't have a big oven so we couldn't we couldn't do like the autoclave we, we were never able to do pre-preg carbon, which is like what race cars are made out of it's a structurally integrated carbon fiber it's a really strong, uh, version. Ours was much more cosmetic. So we would core hoods and we would do different things. But our main thing was we can get your hood. I think our lightest hood was like six pounds
1: with a latch. So a lot of that went over my head. Um, <laughs> but the idea there is it sounded technical and you didn't. I mean, you had to teach yourself. I had to read a book. Dude. Yeah like thousands of pages
2: and, and you learned you, you taught yourself get on online um, stu- online forums just like you know a lot of guys are on Honda Tech a lot of guys are on yeah, yeah. you know whatever and they're going through you know VW Vortex, Vortex,
1: right? Vortex yeah, VW <laughs>
2: Vortex and they're going through natural aspiration they're going through forced induction they're going through all these different uh, um, forums if you will same thing with vacuum infusion and composite manufacturing you have forums just like that Um, Is that how you
1: marketed the business?
2: No, we marketed the business specifically through Honda Tech. Okay. Yeah. So it was, uh, we had the real-time TSXs. Yeah. Those two, the team of TSXs had our hood. And when we bid them out, they actually had to call a, well, they didn't have to, but they did for whatever reason to ask us why we were two and a half times more than everybody else that they'd gotten the bid from. And Dustin with his silver tongue man was able to sell it and they that's why we got our TSX mold in the first place was going through the real real-time, real-time TSX's and uh, that kind of snowballed into the Integra roof cap so we went with the DC Integra roof cap which is the 94 to01 and uh, one of my buddies actually Mike Scott was the idea he was he was the brain behind it. Um, And he's also been, since we were 16, very, very uh, handsy, very good. His dad was a construction owner, and Mike's just always good with his hands. So he came in and had the idea for autocrossers that still like their nice car. You know, nice cars come with a sunroof. That's just kind of the way that it works now. That's a lot of weight on top of the car. That's the highest, that's the furthest away from the center of balance, right? So taking that weight out was huge but now you have a suction from no sunroof right so putting a cap over the top of that was the inspiration for the roof caps and it ended up being a very very hot product sold a lot of them a couple other companies i think are still selling them um and now you know i don't know how large your fan base is in the in the automotive industry but this company did not go down lightly it went down in flames um, we did what we could to to save the people's money that had been entrusted to us. Um, but when things are embezzled, things are embezzled, and the money is is nearly gone. So that was your business partner stealing from you. Stealing from customers. yeah, you know, I'm yeah. not gonna say that he stole from me because, you know, I had to put up my shop and, and my you know the last little bit of materials that we had. you know it, it happened to us at a pretty inopportune time i don't think there ever is an opportune
1: time right <laughs> to be embezzled <laughs> right yeah. but uh
2: you can take it a little easier sometimes, sometimes yeah, than yeah. others you know and uh at that time it was probably the perfect time if you were trying to put us out yeah you know we needed a, a carbon reorder the government was buying tons of carbon. like 90 percent of the carbon that was manufactured was going to the government the, the rest of us had to fight over 10 percent you know, so carbon prices were through the roof. Resin was going through the roof because the oil was doing what it was doing. Yeah. All this other stuff, you know. So, a, a, a catastrophic situation arose,
1: and it was very volatile. And it ignited, and boom, and uh, we were out. We were just done. So, so looking back, could there have been business? Um, could there have been measures that you? Should have taken to prevent oversight. That? Okay. Oversight, just you know, transparency, transparent. Well,
2: not because I could have at any time went into the office, got on the computer, you know, done that. But in order to save labor, I'm going to build all the hoods myself. I'll have an extra four hours on the clock tonight. Oh well, you know, I'll do so, this. So you I'll were trying that. to
1: optimize, and you and you thought that I needed he, more
2: help. Yeah. I needed more help so that I could be in more places, so that I could keep a track. You know, because this wasn't it's not like it went into this blind I knew Dustin was capable but I didn't think that I thought we had such a good thing going that he didn't need to you know we were going to SEMA we were traveling we were you know we were doing real things you know we were doing real things you know real companies were dealing with us it was it was happening we were right there um you know people were talking to us about investments and moving the shop somewhere a little bit closer to the heat of the market which is California or the East Coast somewhere, right? Yeah. So we were looking like, man, this is this is really going somewhere, and I think that's what kind of scared Dustin,
1: is he was scared. achievement is right around the corner, you know. Afraid of scaling and and the additional risks. Ooh, they are frightening. Yeah, they really
2: are. You know, it's a big ordeal to have yourself involved with. You know, but you know, you you know, with no risk, no reward, you gotta have balls to to make it to the top,
1: and. You know, it is what it is. So, so after this one went down, um, you told me you, you had to scrape together the cash. You gave as much pe- as many people their money back as you could, try to make it whole. Yep. But there wasn't any money or capital left. Oh no! Shut the doors. <clears throat> you walked on a le- lease, even walked on. I think three months of a lease that we had to pay. Yeah. Of two shops, you know. So. So you've gone through at this point two learning experiences. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Yeah. Is, is that what led you? I mean, is that, did that push you really deep down into your depression? Yeah. You know, I would say oftentimes people don't really
2: know that they're depressed, right? They don't know that they're having issues at all, you know? So I can't really say that I've gotten better because looking in hindsight, I wasn't really unhappy. Um, I wasn't, you know when I look at it I think of depression we just had uh, the dude from Lincoln Park just kill himself you know like I look at that and I don't understand how you ever make it there how do you graduate to the idea that okay it's time to die right now that's going to make
0: everything better like I don't understand that so I think it's one of those things that's almost impossible to understand unless you've been there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's easy to kind of point your finger and be like, Oh, why, who, who, how could you be that low in life? You know, someone like, like you just said, the lead singer of Lincoln park, you know, he's had all this success, all these good things going, but I think it's just one of those things that just kind of takes over your life almost. And you stop thinking. I think that the 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 difference
1: between, um, people, certain people that struggle with depression. So my dad shot himself. Oh, I'm sorry. And, um, it hit home, but I realized that and when I saw the news yesterday, I was like, man, that guy has six kids. You know, he was at the he was successful. But the difference, I think, from people that are able to, and maybe I'm way off here, but um, people can realize they're going through depression and can fight it. And then other times it just totally takes over people, and they don't even realize that they have this disease or this problem. Yeah. And so it sounds like through your, your story, you know, everything was kind of not going your way yeah but like I'm I mean just, you you'd yeah. learned and you'd gone through things, but you were able to at least realize like hey i'm this is hard on me, yeah, this sucks, yeah i need to I need to pull myself out of this, which tells me, which makes me say, you know, like maybe I
2: wasn't depressed, maybe I was just kind of sad, maybe things weren't going my way, you know, so that's why I say, maybe I'm not better, maybe I'm still depressed, maybe I wasn't depressed, maybe you know,' because it was never diagnosed, but
1: but you had you had been going through issues, you know, yeah, young you spent, twenty issues, man, you spent a lot of your time building these businesses, and your partner screwed you, yeah. Uh, well, I shouldn't say the first, first part. now. Yeah. yeah. Un- well, hey, dying—he still screwed me dying, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
2: I'll see him one day. <laughs> no, something kind no, of out of your
0: control. Someone that you're, you know, yeah. That you trust. I guess in the second case, someone that you trust totally just screws you over. Yeah. Didn't so see it coming. Now you're,
1: you're insecure. I would be.
0: I would be too. Surely,
1: I was already insecure. Yeah. Right? And it didn't make it better.
2: No, it doesn't make it any better. It, it's it's deep. Those are deep cuts, you know. Um, but me, I've always kind of resorted to anger which is probably the easier route, you know, I think it's easier just to get pissed off and and hold a grudge than to kind of understand that somebody else was in severe pain. Obviously, his life didn't go like really awesome for the the next year, two, maybe even three, I don't know, I haven't talked to him in a a long time, but, uh, you know, he was in pain too, he was, something was going on, he was struggling with something, you know, and once again... I was able to bounce back so I wouldn't change it you know I just wouldn't change it but yeah man it it was tough it's tough whenever something like that whenever you get something going and you're right there and you're catching traction and it's moving and it takes you that long just to really start catching traction and the industry thinks that you've got a lot more traction than you really do I think that's the way the case always but uh, and then it gets taken it's hard it's hard but I've learned of, if anything, that I just, if I don't have control over it,
0: I'm just not going to worry about it anymore, you know? So your partner's embezzling money. Your business basically folds mm-hmm. after that. How mm-hmm. long did it take to kind of just close shop after you discovered? Days. Doing Days. So Days. really quick. Yeah, it was an overnight thing.
2: Was it? Um, yeah, like we found out, and it was at critical. Like it was like the nuclear reactor had had problems for a while. And that whoever's was it. supposed to be in charge of dealing with that. Just kept pushing it under the rug. Uh-huh. And then before, you know it, like there was no more pushing it under the rug. It had to be dealt with and came now. to the surface. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know people were very mad. And on Honda Tech, it's like you can put up a scammer alert, is what they're called. Mm-hmm. And as oh on as, the forum. right. Yeah. As soon as someone hits you as scammer, game over game over you're just not going to be purchased from you might have the occasional person who's really like in desperate need of a part and you have it and you might <laughs> so sell it but that's no way to build a yet. company right you can't build something on that yeah so so know, within days business is yeah, over days, what, what man, did you do from there from there it was you know a I, I, a lot of reflection mm-hmm. a lot of finding myself a lot of uh You know self-medication i would call it at that time got deep deep into you know what i would call a fairly depressed state yeah i was pretty down on my uh what would you call it uh my self-esteem was just really low at that time i felt like i was just failing in life i couldn't really get anything to go my way you know i was struggling with control issues this and that um yeah, it was hard I just had to kind of pick up whatever job I could so I had a roommate at the time who uh, his name's Andrew Harris and uh, I was living with him he worked at a stereo shop called the Buzz Shop so he worked for Buzz and Buzz was a real good guy real good guy he would also give me little construction jobs on the side to help me out with money doing this and that at his house at the shop um, I remodeled Andrew's how much of his house for uh Rent so that I could get by. Somewhere to oh, yeah. yeah. Just okay. somewhere to live, you know. And it ended up being a pretty cool place, and then ended up getting a lot of good friends out of it, and you know, it just wasn't really awesome, you know, it wasn't amazing. But what did happen that was amazing was I found jujitsu through it all. I had enough time now because composite fab was the dirtiest work I've ever done in my life. Fiberglass work, oh, beers. Yeah, one little pinch of fiberglass dust in the air, and you itch for days, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you got to deal with this. So it was very dirty work. So if I had found jujitsu at that time, it wouldn't, have know, worked out. it wouldn't have worked out. I was dirty all the time. I could, I would walk out sometimes, and my breath would smell like resin. Really, even through you know respirators, just because it was so much. You know, we were spraying it, aerosoling it into the air. We had little you know, room with fans and whatnot, but it just doesn't matter when you're around it that much it gets into your skin. So you bounced so, around from different jobs. You're kind of, yeah, in a not too many. That sounds kind of like, you know, like, um, you know, moving around too much. I, I, uh, you know, just done some odd couple things, jobs. You know, the yeah. house remodel took a long time that, that, I got a lot of rent out of that, yeah. kind of coasted for a little while too. So it took me a little while to really get back on the horse and say, okay, let's charge, mm-hmm. you know, let's do this. Um, and I got really deep into jiu-jitsu. I started really focusing. I would go to the gym in the morning, and I'd go to jiu-jitsu at night. My jiu-jitsu professor, my original jujitsu professor – like started having marital problems because we were training so <laughs> much, you know, six in the evening till 11 o'clock at night, you yeah. know, his kids weren't barely seeing him because he had a full-time job. So he was
0: gone all day. He's gone that's, all day. That's and then he right? gone all night. Yeah. Mark Massey. Good guy. Yeah. 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 Great so guy. Just backtrack guy. a little quick before we get deeper into this. How did you discover jujitsu and oh, what man. made you want to so start. I, so going back into the conversation from a little
2: while ago, I was always in, I was always fighting as a kid, yeah. you know um, I grew I, We were very ethnically diverse in Oceanside at that time. There was you know lots of everything everywhere, everybody. Um, but that you know I ended up fighting all the time, just all the time at school. So I was always rough. You know, and then I didn't have a real great attitude, so I ended up having to defend myself because of that, you yeah. know, and so fighting was kind of always part. I've always knew what it was like, this and that. Um, I was partying a little too much, drinking a little too much, you know, doing that too much, so fighting was also part of that. It kind of goes hand in hand with that. And one of my buddies that was working with me, his name's Mark Lasseter, he uh, he saw a poster with what we thought was, was Hoist Gracie. Mm-hmm. 'Cause all the Gracie brothers like look really close. Yeah. If you don't know Carlos from Hoyce, from you know, a few of the other
0: brothers, like you'll think that they're all the same. And the yeah, Gracie was, brothers, just so people listening, they probably don't understand. Oh yeah. yeah. They're uh, kind of pioneers in the jiu-jitsu world, yeah, is that right?
2: They're mo- they're mainly credited for the evolution of jujitsu yeah. to what it is today. You know? Okay. That's a whole podcast, right?
1: Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. But
0: just, just a little background so people understand who you are. And talking eventually
1: about. I want to tie in here. I, we talk a lot about jujitsu and I talk a lot about it. And I've had both of my instructors on now. Um, it's not necessarily the reason why we bring it up isn't necessarily on this podcast at least because of the actual sport but it's because of like the mentality and everything that goes into and how it helps me personally in business and things like that so that's kind of the angle here it's not so much about like hey how do we become become a professional jujitsu player do you say player i don't even know practitioner sure practitioner player jitter but it really does help and we're going to tie that in yeah um Okay, so you see the poster, you're a yeah, fighter. he's like, oh,
2: man, this guy trained with the man, with the hoist. Let's go down there. Let's go check it out. And, All right, you know, and at first I was really skeptical. I don't know about that, you know. He didn't have the flyer with him or nothing. So he goes by himself, and he comes home. He's like, it, dude, this is the real deal. You need to come with me, you know. And Let's this was go back in
1: 2006. 2006.
2: Okay. And uh, it was in the Westwood Mall, and he had— Pictures all around. It was under Gracie Baja at the time, which is a really uh, big school, really well structured. You know, so when we did our research on it, you know, we found out that we weren't going to an MMA school. We were going to a Jiu-Jitsu school. We had no idea. Yeah. Um, so Mark's background comes from Kempo Karate into Judo into Jiu-Jitsu, and that shines through in his Jiu-Jitsu now. So his striking into his Judo, into his Jiu Jitsu is very smooth. So we learned all of that at that time, right? So I came up in under Judo rules, under Jiu Jitsu rules, and then there was always a certain level of striking and self-defense. So, so, it's perfect for, go the, in.
1: for that fighter kid inside exactly, of Exactly, yeah. right?
2: For some kid who drinks too much and thinks he's going to go in there and wreck some dudes <laughs> legally. Oh my gosh, right? It's the best of both
1: worlds. Get better so, than that.
2: We, I walk in, and there's a bunch of 13, 14, maybe 16 year old kids. And, like, I'm already getting a little bit remorseful. And, man, I'm going to go
1: hurt I decided for karate class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. And yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How old are you at this time? Uh, ooh,
2: that's Trick a, question. Yeah. <laughs> 83
0: so 23 24 okay i think so they were quite a bit younger than you most of the people that were there 10 years ago
2: i was quite a bit bigger i yeah i was going to the gym all the time so we were getting ready to go snowboarding so snowboarding was our thing at that time we weren't fighting we weren't doing anything but winter was coming around the corner so it was october let's get in shape for snowboarding you know and then we're idiots we don't know what we're doing as far as working out was at this time. So we're doing bench pressing, squats, all this stuff. It's yeah, yeah. not going to help us at all. But we were getting ripped. We are getting in great shape, you know. So when I show up, I was like, I am primed up. I'm going to wreck some people, right? <laughs> you thought you were the – Within two rounds, I was out in the foyer puking, puking, <laughs> actually throwing up because these the little, middle of the kid, mall. little kids yeah. – There there's like this weird place where like the concrete was out and there was bark in there. And oh, dude, yeah. it was full throw up at that uh, night, dude. I couldn't believe it.
1: And so I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. I was Not blown Not the throwing part, but the, the, throwing the up getting part. wrecked part when you walk in thinking you're tough. Right. Yeah.
2: Everyone thinks, you know, they look
1: at it and man, I just don't know. Are you sure? Are you sure? I've been working out for years. I can handle this.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, or that move just looked like he let him do that. Yeah. You know, or just whatever the reason is, you know, or, you know, you're little. You're a little guy I can it won't work on me yeah well everybody chokes mm-hmm. everyone goes to sleep you know everybody's
1: knee only bends one way exactly yep. right? without pain yeah
2: so you know we show up and I'm just I, I am totally blown away by the effectiveness of this you know so the next night we showed up with I think five more people so there were seven of us now so he had seven 20 something year old. White-bound young dudes, dudes brand, new guy, yeah. brand new guys rolling into his gym. You know, he had to have just
1: been so excited because yeah. there was nobody in the gym at this time. And I think Jiu Jitsu is really popular now. I don't have any idea how it was, I hadn't even heard of it until like 2015. There you go.
2: So, well, Idaho had one black belt at that time. Him, I don't think Mitch had moved back from uh, Brazil yet, or if he did, I just hadn't met him yet. Um, so you're, Keith you're, Owen was the only black belt that I knew. Oh, so Mark that wasn't that even. Oh, no. Mark was a purple belt. He had just gotten his purple belt. Jared Enfield, who's here.
0: I know Jared pretty yeah, well. He was yeah. a blue belt. Yeah, that's who I did jiu-jitsu with, actually. Right. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, brother. it's crazy that Tyler <laughs> has
1: done jiu-jitsu in two MMA fights, and we're all entrepreneurs. It's just, I, I find it to be this really weird connection it's that a the lot of business owners have.
2: It's just so hard yeah you know so a lot of people you know really successful people also know how to play chess it's
1: true yeah you know for whatever reason
2: they just have that (laughs) they have the the mind you know to to win at certain things you know um i think football is the same football was made to simulate war right um so really smart smart minds can get deep in the cut when it comes to something like that and with something like jujitsu where your, hand, your fingers can face, like my fingers are on the table right now, they can face towards your body or like away from your body. Well, that changes the setup for jujitsu. jitsu That changes everything. That could mean going one way or the other. That could mean, you know, million a million variables. Million variables. Yeah. So when somebody starts to understand that jiu is not so much about the fight as it is about tricking your opponent or imposing your will upon an opponent and they just cannot do anything to stop it i think that translates very well into business that translates very well into just achieving at a high level in life right because my professor mitch says uh when the blood scatters most people can't take it they get out of the fight right then as soon as they see the blood spray they get really timid and you can analogize that into businesses as soon as you know you get low in your investment and you're it's not working out exactly how you thought and you're having you're encountering some issues and you're having to rebuild out of a hole or whatever it is it's easy to get cold feet and back out and pull away and this and that that was that's the time you've got to re-entrench that's the time you've got to really dig deep find the best possible next move to improve your scenario and that's a, at a constant in jiu-jitsu. Right, it's yeah. just every every set and it can yeah. switch just like that, just like in life. So it's very parallel. So that's why I think a lot of high level jiu-jitsu guys are really good at anything that they do. Same with the military. You know, if you get to the elite level of the military, you're going to transition into business very very well because you have that that ethic that you know you're relying on yourself there's no team to hide behind there's no football like in football you have a a team basketball you have a team you know where you can say oh you know the i did this but they didn't do that or you know whatever the team wasn't cohesive we didn't gel and it didn't work out you know that's not blame on any one person we take that collectively well with jujitsu with business With, you know, I think wrestling, you know, with uh, golf, golf, anytime where you're just singular, what happens is what you did. You can't blame it on anybody that brings out the best in an individual. So I think
1: that therein lies the parallel. Yeah, it teaches you how to advance from certain situations, especially when they're terribly uncomfortable. Right. And that happens to me all the time. Every time I walk into the gym. And sometimes you can't and you learn to tap, which I think also translates into you learn how to give up and start over. Right. Walk away and try something away. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that translates into business, I think, pretty well. Yeah. I've never had a problem walking away.
2: (laughs) For whatever reason, it's been pretty clear. Gotta go. Gotta cut your losses. Can't go home, but you can't stay here, buddy. You know, like that's always been pretty clear in my business and also in my personal lives always been pretty good.
0: I'm the opposite, man. Like, I want to hold on to everything. I have a hard time just like giving up or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Knowing when to walk away. So I think, yeah, like you said, like with jujitsu, these different things that kind of teaches you that, that there are times when it's like, all right, it's time to tap, time to throw in the towel, whatever it is, you know? I was listening uh, to a podcast uh,
1: where they were interviewing this hedge fund fund manager named uh, Mark Yusok or something like that. He runs Morgan Creek Capital, and he said one of the best uh, characteristics that very successful hedge fund managers uh, have is their ability to watch the trend and contribute to the trend and if they make a certain investment that turns on them unless there's absolutely no reason that it has turned on them and they're fully uh, convinced that they're right they will bail and they'll get out and they'll they'll go with the trend and not fight the trend so i mean there's a fine line there right if you if you're making a move and you are 100 percent sure that It is correct, you never give up on it. But if you try something and it looks like it's just going down in flames and you're wasting capital or you're deep in an arm bar or whatever, tap, yeah, get out, cut yeah. your losses, and, and reallocate. So that you well, know that's also important,
2: f- extremely. Or you end up with I'll a also broken like arm. Uh, like Alex says, one of our training partners, um, really wise actually. I don't really hear too much wisdom from Alex. Ha <laughs> 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 um, Shout out! No, he says. Uh, he he's says a not. A, yeah, yeah that's right? um, Not every action deserves a reaction. Yeah. Not every, you don't have to react to everything. You don't have to. You know, sometimes just waiting is is a good idea. Yeah. Do less, better. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, agree I, with I, that. I think on the way up, we're always trying to expand our repertoire. And expand our knowledge, and this and that, da da da, and then kind of you know to analogize it to jujitsu. Since we're here, um you know, white, blue, purple. You're expanding your jujitsu knowledge. Purple, brown, black. It's coming back in, and you're really honing in on your version your of jujitsu, yeah. right? And I think that's that's kind of the same way with your education. You know, it's very general in the beginning, and then it hones in in the end you know that's a good point
1: i never thought of that
2: so you have to i I think in your business it should be that way too you know depending on you know because every market has its niches and you know the the, i think you can hit things generally and spread yourself super thin and that's what those giant corporations do but unless you've got hundreds of millions of dollars you've kind of got to downsize that and focus on on your craft exactly on your demographic. um Troy and a few of my friends in Boise say, uh, "Stay in your lane." You know, stay in your lane. What is your lane? A lot of people can't even identify their lane. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You know, Tony Robbins says it all the time. Yeah. Your destination has to be crystal clear, yeah. or else you can't follow any map. There, you don't even know where you're going, right? So it, it's you know, I, I think uh, we can get super deep and metaphorical about it, but at the end of the day. You've got to grow up, and you've got to realize what it is that you want out of life and define your version of success. My version of success isn't what most people think is successful, you know. I've got my house. I've got my kids, my wife. Everyone's beautiful, healthy. I love them all. I've got a small jujitsu team. I travel with people that I love. A little farm on the back. I don't need much else. You know, I don't need a bunch of numbers on a screen in the bank doing whatever. Money's a tool. It is a tool, and you need tools mm-hmm. to accomplish jobs and to experience life. But I think, you know, all too often we're worried about what's going on in Bali and and Hawaii and pumping our Instagram than worried about kids right here at home in Idaho. You
1: know yeah making a lot of money will make you successful in terms of having stuff, but it won't make your kids love you no right? absolutely
0: not
2: I think that success is where uh where you're really riding the line of depression that's when I mean you can't sure you can be depressed without without it without success but I think success success makes it a lot easier to find yourself depressed yeah. you know yeah.
1: um, so okay so tying this back in um that got deep. Yes. That was powerful. Yeah, yeah. That was I good. Like just
0: end on that note and walk out. <laughs> the mic. No, that was, that was really,
1: really good. Um, I'm going to listen to that and blog about it right? or something. Right, seriously. Was good. Um, business idea. Paul turned jujitsu into business coaching. There. Um, so, okay, so 2006, you start jujitsu. 2006 is also when you were struggling with self-esteem. You just it. gone th- I mean you had you've been struggling with it your entire life but yeah. it was at a pinnacle at this point. I would say yeah. Two failed businesses that you had given your heart and soul and put into. I'd actually lost my
2: wife at the time. She wasn't my wife at the time but I'd lost her too. She'd left. Oh, okay. that. Yeah. So getting her back was part of the rebuilding process.
1: So you rebuild, jiu jitsu helps you find myself yourself in peace. Yeah. You, How yeah. Well, it was finally a room of people
2: that I could be around that, uh, honesty was at a, the purest level I'd ever seen it. There, there's no lying in jujitsu. There, you can't do it. You just can't do it. Um, so the honesty, I think, was something I'd always been searching for and something I'd always, um, not take, not take it for granted, but something I'd always afforded people that just didn't deserve it. I trusted people to be honest and they hadn't been honest. And this was a place that I didn't have to trust anyone to be honest. I just had to show up and I knew.
1: Yeah. You can't you know, fake it.
2: You can't fake it. So it was really something for me that was like settling. It was very settling for me to to be involved in the chaos of the fight, knowing that. There's just no lies. Okay, this is the situation and it's bad. It sucks. I'm on bottom. A lot of pressure. My arm hurts, whatever. But if I make the right movements, I will be out. There's no like somebody's opinion of my movements or somebody else drops the ball and now I can't get out or none of that. There was none of that. It was just very pure honesty in jiu-jitsu. And I think that that was very attractive and it enabled me to relax a great deal Um, not having to be somebody that I wasn't not having to live up to ideas or expectations that weren't real
1: especially not for me was very freeing did it help you get out of the that you mentioned earlier the victim mentality
2: Surely, yeah. I mean, I was always entitled and, and you know, wore my victimhood like a, like a badge. But I would say it gave me a very clear sense that it was up to me. No one was going to fix anything for me. Nothing was going to happen. Because I did this dude a solid, he wasn't going to come back and fix my life. Yeah. You know, like you hear of people helping out an old guy because they feel really good bad for them and then they get a bunch of money because the dude's loaded or whatever, right? That doesn't happen. You know, like it, it happens in feet, country far songs. Between, right? <laughs> in country songs and stuff like that, but it's not something that's going to like change your life. So you can't right. bet on stuff like yeah. that. And it just, it, jujitsu really told me like, hey man, you're the one that's got to fix this, dude. You've got to do this. You got yourself here. You get yourself out. And you're the best person you know to get it done.
1: So at this point, you're learning these lessons. How far into jujitsu did you start to realize that? Because for me... That I realized I was me or that I realized realized this was helping? That it was helping you and and that it was helping you... Day one.
2: When I came home after day one, I was more relaxed than I had been
1: since moving to Idaho. For me, it was after the first competition. I don't yeah, know if you remember that. I do. I went 0-4. Uh-huh. And I have never been bad at anything my entire life. Right. I've never gone 0-4. And, mm-hmm. and I realized, like, man, I failed. And then I could blame it on the ref or I could blame it on whatever. Um, but it it teaches you right out of the gate that if you fail, it's your fault. Right. And if the, the sooner that I was able to accept that All of a sudden, my jujitsu, it's still not even comparable to some people, but it started to progress. And so that translates very quickly over or into normal life, right? Relationships. Um, And it's interesting because at this point in your story, you've gone through Composite Fab, you've gone through the construction firm, you started in 2006, and then the next entrepreneurial business you had was the restaurant was wing it, yeah. it. Was wing it. And that story is different than composite fab and the construction company. It was successful. Yeah. A lot of things changed in that one too. Yeah, that endeavor um, it was just me and my wife.
2: So you and had learned. Right, I learned that you know the partnership was the problem. You know, uh, having somebody else that involved is the issue. Um, I don't know how to say it. You know, when I was when I was younger in the construction company, it was always told to me there can't be all chiefs. There has to be one chief. The rest are Indians. You can't have, you know, too many guys at the top. Dictators. There's not enough room on the top of the mountain, man. You've got, you know, one person has to be in charge. The rest has to go, you know, like it fall in line. Um, And you see that today at the gym, you know, Davey owns the gym. I can't impose my will and just be this guy. No, I have to fall in line. I have to, this is the way that the gym needs to be run. That's the way that it works. Obviously, we have some back and forth about how that works out, you know, because we both want the best jujitsu. But just like in, in Wing it, it's, it, it was me and my wife on the same goal. Like we had the same goal, and we're not gonna, Why am I, how would I take money from my wife? Like that doesn't make any sense. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I guess there, and the, you got to be honest.
1: I work with my wife and, a lot. Um, yeah, Tyler works with his wife. It, it's kind of just if I do something detrimental to me, it's going to hurt her. So I might as well do something beneficial for the exactly. both of us because it is one. Right. So I think that was a big factor in wing it. Um,
2: and then that also, I was I was not working just for myself. Yeah. I was working also to help our brother in law out. Um, Obviously, I mean, we don't. We we try not. We try to stay out of business pro bono, you know. Right. Yeah. But it's it's good to help somebody when you can, if you can help somebody.
0: So wing it was a restaurant, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah it, was it was a wing restaurant Wings? in Pocatello. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
2: bar food. It started in the uh, in the main event. So there's a bar down in Pocatello. It's now a gym, and the Family Dollar store down on the corner of Gould and Main. they called it the main event and they had like concerts and stuff there and it started inside there um when eddie romero my brother-in-law started it in there he had actually bought it from a woman named carol uh, who had owned it for years and years and years and years and years before that so and it was wing out when she owned it and then eddie got it it was wing it and then when we got it we just kept it as wing it um the main goal there was just to kind of get in it get the landing gear down optimize um, uh, it. optimize and just kind of get it to where we could walk away pretty easily get it a product that would be easy to sell um and then walk away you know
0: so you bought it from your brother-in-law Is uh, that right? yeah yep. okay and what year was this 2012 according 12, to my timeline
2: yeah i think so something like that now we've, we're going through all this Timeline. I'm Too many. Numbers yeah. to so Math. all
1: of all of the the lessons you had learned from Composite Fab and the construction company. Jiu Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu, that helped yeah. you optimize, gut. Yeah, the hard work You know,
2: the hard work aspect of any grappling art is gonna teach you just how to work hard. Yeah. You know, just to gut it out, figure it out, work hard. Work the extra hours if you need to work the extra hours. Um, unlike many other fight sports or martial arts or anything like that, jujitsu, and I shouldn't say any other or all other, but the others that I've tried and seen and been exposed to is in jujitsu. It's about working smarter, not always harder. Sometimes you need to know when to just fight, but sometimes you need to know when to transition, when to use a new position, when to do something different instead of just grinding through somebody. Um, So I think that's kind of... You know, the, the the lesson that I got out of jiu-jitsu and, and fighting was to go in, not just being a brute and saying, I'll work all the hours like I did at Composite Fab. To not go in and just try to delegate and say, you do this, you do that, like I did in my personnel management type job, like a zoomies and fans and stuff like that. Not do that either. You know, so try to find the balance of... Being the, the head guy that you will answer to me, you'll do it my way, and you know the nurture versus nature. Try to do both of them, you know, and that was a big key to the success. The other thing is that the person who was largely in charge of the cog spinning, you know, was my wife. And she has our interests at you heart. Figured,
1: so you, this time you found the right partner.
2: The right partner, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, I found the right partner. And again, just like in jiu-jitsu, I was able to relax and just kind of do my job and do my thing. And then the hard part about waiting it is that's when I decided to go really professional with jiu-jitsu and go to the highest level that I could find at that time. That's when I moved gyms. I moved from here in Pocatello and started training uh, in well, down in Pocatello. We're in Idaho Falls now. But uh, started training in Boise. And uh, under Mitch directly, doing privates all the time, and just really trying to assimilate to a new system of jiu At the same time, I'm doing a new system of business. At the same time, I'm doing a new system in life. So it was a really jumbly time. But I think that that was good for me. I think yeah. that I needed to have all that in my life to really
1: make me grow into the next person. You know? And so the success that you uh, created at at the Winget restaurant, yeah. uh, which side note my wife says was phenomenal. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's still around. I think you sold it, and then I know, sold the it, and the numbers.
2: gentleman decided to move it to Spencer, Idaho. Okay,
1: so it's still in existence. They just yeah. moved. Yeah, my wife Carly said it was delicious, and she's <laughs> really really picky. So good job. Um, but the success you had there in the exit strategy allowed you to create some financial peace of mind some stability over you've got some rental property you know different portfolio you're dabbling in um you know you've got a side business where you make mouth guards yeah um just for the
2: gyms that i know my friends and keep their teeth nice i have a friend who's a dentist uh, well a dental technician and builds makes teeth and
1: stuff like that smiles by dane Um, so well shout out to dane um so you're you were able to kind of optimize that sell it and that allowed you to pursue this new lifestyle right it gave me enough of that tool money
2: yeah so i had my tools back there and they could they could pay my bills and they could do my thing and they could worry about the uh reality of life the day-to-day yeah and then i could kind of focus on the dream aspect of it because my wife works for mountain america and she's very passionate about what she does yeah what makes her really really happy obviously she loves jujitsu too and she loves our family and our kids but professionally to you know there's a lot of uh people out there who aren't as financially savvy and don't understand interest rates and don't understand you know how banking really works and she can change people's lives when they come in and yeah. you know seven, seven eight thousand dollars out the month every month just to come up on credit cards and Jeez. they're just they're yeah. dying you know mm-hmm. they're just drowning in debt and she can you know restructure their portfolio and fix it to where they can now afford that and have some extra money on the side and And build some wealth right she can really change people's lives in that way so for her that's what she's really passionate about so i'm lucky in the fact that that has turned into a career for her at mountain america and it also pays well yeah because jujitsu sorry listeners doesn't pay very well don't you know, do it for the money. Yeah, don't 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 do jujitsu for the money. Unless do
0: you're it. like
1: five years old starting out, yeah, then give it all you've got. Maybe, yeah, maybe. If, if, if that's ways your dream. To do that too. Yeah. Okay, so um, the first time I went into the gym, you were a brown belt. I look back on my pictures, and you, you were a brown belt. Davey was a purple belt. Yeah. Now you are a black belt. Yeah. What? And just to put this in context, and maybe I'm not the best person to describe this because I'm I'm still new. Black belt in a lot of martial arts, you can get relatively easy compared to jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, I don't
2: want to sound too
1: braggadocious or anything. Like karate, I think it's
2: like, you know, a couple of years. Yeah, you see kid belt, kid black belts all the time in
1: a lot of martial arts. Jiu-jitsu That's is different. Very, um, you'll get called out for giving yeah. a fake black belt or wearing a fake black belt. and It's, it's taken very, very seriously, and it's actually a good thing. Um, but it takes a decade or so. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, they say the average person, you know, and there's all the memes too. Yeah. Average person doesn't get a black belt. It, you know, the yeah, average... there are not very many people that get a black belt. There, in fact, there probably aren't very many people that get a blue belt. Yeah, a lot of people will quit early, you know, because it's so hard. Yeah, like like you said, you
2: went 0 and four. <laughs> yeah. How many people go 0 four? They go 0 and two and quit. Yeah. You know, you were willing to go those next two fights and keep trying. That's largely to attribute for your success as well in life because you're you're tenacious um you're willing to try hard just because you fail doesn't mean you know you're not ever going to win you just got to change a few things and try again change a few things try again it's a constant thing so success isn't an overnight thing you know it's just everyone only sees the overnight aspect of it yesterday you were here today you're here yeah well there was all this legwork in before that right so in jiu-jitsu, you know, unlike other martial arts, you know, and even within jiu-jitsu, there's a spectrum of black belts, you know. I just got my black belt, and I had to fight, guys, because I fight in Master 1, which is you have to be 30 or older to fight there just because I'm 34 yeah. almost, man. I don't have the angst to fight 7, 8 times in a day. It's not in me. So I don't have the resources. I can make a lot of excuses, but... Hey, I don't need to. I don't need to. Yeah. So I fight up there. So it's just, uh,
1: you know. It... What did it feel yeah, like yeah. when you got the black belt? Oh,
2: my gosh. That, dude, it was so I was super nervous.
1: I don't think I understood at the yeah. time that you got your black belt how cool that actually was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was new. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of people do at first. And I mean, I, mean I, I know for a fact I don't even comprehend what it's like. I'm still at white belt. Right. But to see 10 years of dedication finally rewarded. And I know that when you get your black belt, it's probably like, wow, I have a lot more progress. Again, to that make. flame is growing. Exactly. It illuminates your ignorance, right? Right. But did it, I mean, how'd it feel? Explain it.
2: To get it from the person I got it from felt pretty cool too. I get, among the people that I got it with. It was pretty awesome. So there's, you know, pictures on my Instagram and my Facebook that, uh, there's like 18 of us, yeah. You know, on the mats, all black belts under the same guy. Crazy. Very close. And anytime you're in the trenches like that with your brothers, and you blood, you bleed, you sweat, you cry, you you have, you find joy with them. It there's a bond there that it's it, it, you can't even describe it really. Gotcha. It's so deep. So to finally see somebody get that award. Right. Because, yeah, it's like after 10 years, say, some 11, some 17, some 20, some
1: six, seven. Yeah. And it's not about the time. It's just about finally accomplishing that goal. Exactly. Right. And
2: getting there. But that's just not the end of the road. You know, and that's easy to say, like, oh, it's not the end of the road. But, you know, you're still just learning. That's the whole point. The whole point. Long before most people's black belt, they kind of succumb. And understand okay like I'm in this for jujitsu I'm not necessarily in this for a belt or you know I'm gonna get better as a grappler and the belt will come you know at some point all jujitsu players will will figure that out and they kind of succumb to that Um, but it's it's you know I have kids I married my wife I've done things professionally I've done things personally but it's up there, man, with all of them. Top five, maybe. I've got three kids and a wife, so So it's, you know, yeah, there's four, right? So I'd say it's in the top five, you know? Um, But man, I guess thinking about that really, you know, just brings me to how rich my life is. I could, you know, it's really hard to pick five moments to put on the top, I've got so many. So like, getting my black belt was truly amazing. It was um, inspiring, it was, to a certain degree, uh, scary, you know, yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm here now, like, I have to be a black belt, you know, I have to personify all of that, I have to prove it, I have to carry the name, and all of that. And then, you know, being under Mitch, to me, was very important, because I wanted to be under the highest source I could find, you know and I had never been decimated the way that I had been decimated the first time I walked into Mitch's gym, and I thought I was good already. I was a purple belt already, and I'd won some competitions around, and I'd fought some guys, and when I walked into there, I was not even average, not even average. So I kind of knew, like, I need, this is the graduation. This is that next level for me. And now I'm one of those guys that tests the black belts as they come through or the brown belts yeah. or you know that and i'm one of those sharks on the mat now so it's pretty cool it took a ton of work not very many people even understand the level of work it takes for somebody living in boise to get to that level um and then i live three and a half hours away okay. so it took a lot of dedication and this was all during the time that wing it was open
0: and, so. and
1: side note, know tying back into cars you you bought a car that gets good gas mileage so that you can drive more efficiently to practice jiu jitsu correct yeah I so structured <laughs> my
2: whole life so that so that was the reason we sold the restaurant was to pursue jiu jitsu professionally
1: financially peace get some peace of mind the, there right but then it's so there's
2: a lot of time yeah, that yeah, gets yeah. wrapped up into a business you can't just have a business and sit in the back not doing anything all the time there's times where you can do that but you're still mindfully tied to your business, you know, and it's really hard to get away and focus. So a big part of it was emotionally freeing. A big part of it was financially freeing. A really big part of it was just freeing up the clock, you know, just having the time.
1: Well, I think that, um, kind of the underlying message is keep going, don't give up, find something that can help you, whether it's jujitsu or If you're walking through hell, you just
2: got to keep walking, right? Yeah. You know, don't stop and build a house. Don't, uh, you know, don't hang out. There's no
1: reason to, to torture yourself for more. And, it's funny and, to me because you, you say that high school and when you're younger, you were angry.
0: And yeah. I'm seeing
1: this volatile personality you're describing. And then I meet you in real life and it's totally not like that at all. You're I, yeah. very mellow. I, I, well, yeah, mellow might be the wrong Word. At least um, in my, my interaction. yeah with you. yeah
2: I still have a temper. I'm Italian so I, I have a temper that, <laughs> yeah. that can flare and I can snap and but really you know I, the biggest part of me has been working on really responding, not reacting. And when I respond and don't react, I find that I, I will take time. I it won't be right away. It will be calculated and it'll be much more even keeled. <laughs> I'm not going to – I don't walk into the store like I'm having a car worked on right now just because I had to be here. And they put the part in, and the part they put in was the wrong part. Or the it was bad too. Brand new, and it didn't work either. So normally I would go running back into the part store screaming and yelling and this and that. I went in there just vulnerable, asking for help. Yeah. And the situation turned out far better than I thought it could have. So. I guess a, a, there's many lessons that could be drawn, but you catch more flies with honey. Yeah, you know, and don't walk, don't stop when you're walking through hell, man. And I think I think they're all lessons you could pass on as well. You know, you've had, you have, we all have our cross to carry. Oh uh, yeah, you know. Um, so I just try not to to act like it. my life has been so
1: hard. You know, we live in the first world. Yeah, very true. Um, all right, so wrapping up one of my favorite questions is if you could give advice to yourself 10 years ago which a lot of people I think will find themselves in that type of situation yeah. uh, we may even find ourselves there again in the future what would you say? man it's kind of
2: hard because I've got everything from 10 years you know
1: okay. my, go- my goals from 10 years ago are like
2: now finally I guess that is 2006 okay let's go back
1: now, you know you just graduated high school man, you're if about to pick up myself that hammer man
2: yeah man get, get in school get in school take your time school in terms of college or trade or whatever it is okay learn something teach yourself something i wish i could have been since high school learning another language or two you know like that's the spice of life right to be to have these conversations with people from somewhere else You know, would be pretty cool.
0: The nice thing is, we live in a time right now where there's so many, there's an abundance of resources. If you want to learn something, it's out there. I mean, a quick Google search, you'll find everything you need to find. You know,
2: unlike when I was in high school, though, the internet was a lot harder. Yeah, relatively useless. That was like Microsoft
1: 2000. Yeah, the the, the Windows.
2: Crazy. I remember going to my buddy's. House as a when I first moved to Montpelier, and they, he had a computer and internet, and I had no idea what we were doing. But we were talking to somebody, and the other
1: wow, it's come this a is long amazing.
0: ways in such a short time, right? It's crazy.
1: Yeah. There are a million tools out there, and one of them I think is um, that I like the most is Instagram. So, if you want to reach out to Paul, his Instagram handle is at Big Picture Jiu Jitsu. Yes, sir. He just got a onesie for Elliot, my son. Yeah. So, I threw it up on my Instagram. If you want to just go to my not, yeah. Instagram, you can link him. I, link I, haven't, him there. I
2: haven't been in Jiu Jitsu with any friends that have had babies yet. So, I, had a chat. <laughs> yeah. I see those every
1: now and then. I'm like, damn, those are it. cute, man.
2: <laughs> and I was able to get one this time.
1: So, I had to do that.
2: Uh, well, and, anyways.
1: I appreciate it, Paul. It went deep. It's very applicable. I mean, honestly, it's probably one of the best episodes we've had. Thank Surprising. I appreciate that. Um, I don't even know how much time we've taken. It's gone by very quick for me. Yeah. So I think it's a rather long episode, but there's a wealth of knowledge in there and a lot of common sense and practical information. Thank so, you. Appreciate that. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Great. So thanks for listening. If you want to get a hold of Paul, like Jackson said, Instagram is the place to do it. Is there anywhere else that you want people to get a hold of you? Or no, just you know, I think Instagram. Instagram's
2: good. I try okay. to keep my social media presence pretty low. You know, I don't I don't do too much of the Twitter or any of that kind of stuff. Okay. Big picture jujitsu. Just trying to uh you know, spread spread jujitsu to everybody who wants to train, not just the pinnacle athletes. And some of us are scientists, some of us are attorneys, some of us are investment bankers, some of us are mm-hmm. athletes, stay at home moms, dads, whatever, you know. Jiu Jitsu is, is is on a bigger scale now than just for athletes. And if you're big picture doesn't mean that you're or means that you're not the top competitor in the world, that's okay, you know. You can be a champion in life no matter what it is that you I do. Get it. Big picture jujitsu right. makes sense. There the big is. picture of your life, you is. know. Yep. We have students in our gym all the time that ask me, you know, why their armbar isn't good or how come they can't get the choke or this or that, but their professional life is like who even cares about jujitsu? Look what you do every day, you know, the world depends on some of our students. And that's crazy to think about Yeah, that they're worried about an armbar. <laughs> right? arm their, their big picture is amazing. So thank you. I appreciate yeah.
0: it. Yeah, thank you so much. If you have any questions, like we said, Instagram is a place to do it with Paul. Uh, let us know what you thought about today's episode. Um, and
1: iTunes review goes a long way. Yes, please. So please review on iTunes or on Google or Stitcher, whatever. Thanks, guys. We'll Thanks. see you next week. Adios.